The one thing we want to continue to go after here in this place is connection to God. One thing that having, I'm going to call it this, a spiritual gospel, which that's what Jesus is, isn't he? Isn't he spiritual? The problem with having a spiritual gospel sometimes is being relatable. It seems like that would be crazy, but when you think of God as something like way out here, and then I'm here in this life and I'm surrounded by all of this, we can sometimes get trapped in this idea that I'm still separated from God. But what's the connection? What did God, who is spirit, how did he connect spirit to flesh? Well, he put himself in flesh, made it one flesh, one spirit, and then said, here, let me put my spirit in you. So is there any separation between God and you today if you have the spirit of God? So then nothing should be off limits. Is that true? But if your consciousness thinks there's limitations, then you can't attain to what God says is true. If your consciousness thinks that way. What's interesting is consciousness is everything, isn't it? Is that true, how you think? Is that everything? Because you take one person in life who thinks, I'm oppressed and I'm held back. And you take another person who doesn't think that way and one excels and one doesn't just because they think and they have the same opportunities and one says I'm oppressed, one says I'm not. And they one excels and one doesn't all because of how they think. Now when I use the word oppressed, imagine the devil. What is he? An oppressor. What's he want to do to you? He wants to oppress your mind to make you think that you can't attain unto what God says you can. And that's not true. So what are we going to do with the oppression? What? Kick it to the curve? I like it. Overcome it. New perception, new consciousness. Isn't that what Jesus is about? And hasn't this whole thing we've been doing, talking about Jesus and the revelation of Jesus and showing that Jesus is far superior than anything that was ever before him. And I want you to, I want to try to set this up. I'm going to do my best because what I have in my mind today and what I've seen and experienced in God I can't always relate it somehow. It's, it's like transferring it is not always the easiest thing to do. So I'm going to do my best in doing so. But imagine Jesus showing up. Now, I want, you to, I want to try to set this picture, okay? And then I'm going to relate it to us here today. Imagine in the Bible, Jesus showing up. Because we, we were born in a time where Jesus was in the New Testament. We have the New Testament. Jesus was everywhere, so to speak. His preaching was everywhere. Uh, people preached that he 
was born of a virgin, raised up in the will of God, son of God, and then died on a cross for our sins, resurrected, went back to heaven. That's the story of the gospel and everybody knows it. So we're raised that way. And sometimes it's very likely that we're raised in it without the context of what Jesus actually meant to those when he showed up. And sometimes we don't know the context of that. So I'm going to try to set that up for you. Imagine, first of all, Jesus being valuable to all of us for two reasons. Number one, everyone born in sin now has a way out. Now, if that don't like blow your mind right off the bat, that's amazing to me. Like Adam sinned against God. Now, now imagine Adam in the garden with God and everything is there for him. Dave, everything. He doesn't have to work. He doesn't have to fear. He doesn't stress. He doesn't have guilt. He's naked but not ashamed. He has nothing to worry about. And then a serpent gets involved and Adam sins against God. And all of a sudden, the entire world changed when Adam went out. Now, Keith, he's having to work and slave around to get his food and his clothing and having children is a, is a burden and a, and, and a task. And raising kids and defending your home and building a home. Everything you had that was so easy with God has now become so difficult because, well, Adam decided that, hmm, I want to know knowledge more than I want safety. And so here's sin and that's what we lived in. So imagine Jesus showing up and saying, here I am. Everything Adam had plus far better, I'm going to give you. And I'm going to erase every bit of everything you go through. Stress, fear, doubt, pain, sorrow, all of that. I am going to enter your consciousness in a way that you will not have to deal with any of it. I'll overcome it all. Imagine that. And we, we, get, we get born, we're taught the world, I mean, right out of the gate. If there's a TV, that's our new babysitter. Of course, now it's an iPad or a phone or a video game. Now we got babysitters and we train our kids right into the way of society and the way of the world, not knowing that sin is about to work them over like they have never been worked over. Amazing, isn't it? It's like I read this article one time. It made me want to write the lady back, but she, she's famous somewhere and she wrote something and write stuff in somewhere big. <laughs> and I'm reading this, and she says, the reason why I will not teach my kids that they're sin. 
She loves God, goes to church, but I will not teach them sin because I don't want to shame them. I don't want them to feel inadequate or like they're not able to be equal with everybody else. And I'm like, boy, did she miss the point. Sin is what's in everybody. And the best thing we could do is expose it and overcome it. That's the best thing. Not hide it, not cultivate it, not encourage everybody like they don't have any. It's like sixth place trophy is now a first place trophy. (laughs) A participating trophy. Everybody gets one because it makes us feel good. Well, don't tell me I got sin, Tim, because, oh, I don't want to feel bad. Well, guess what? You're going to feel bad because sin is going to eat your lunch every day and you're not going to know the truth of what's in your life. So imagine Jesus shows up because we're born in church. Jesus, 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 all the time. But imagine when you come to the realization of why Jesus. Why Jesus? Like, why do I need Jesus? Why? Like, what for? What's the point? Like, is it just because I want him to feed me? I want him to pay my bills? I want the blessings? Is is that why? See, in that regard... To realize you have sin makes you realize I need Jesus because Jesus, no sin. And when I look at my life and I look at the life of Jesus, I mean, come on, everybody. Read the Bible and look at it and go, here's the mind of Jesus. Here's what Jesus said. Here's what Jesus does. He had power over every thought in him. And I look at my life growing up and I go, that's not me. At that moment, it seems that we would say, I need him. Because my life is not like that. That peace he talks about, that idea of hope and love and and restoration and repentance and and saving grace and all of that, that right there, it begins to put a picture in our minds of what we actually need. And then Jesus becomes far superior and better than what I have. And how many of you apply this principle to your bank account? What I mean by that is this, Tim. Do you look at your bank account and go, whatever? Or do you say, ooh, look at that guy. He's got a lot of money. How did he get that? I'm going to follow what he does. Well, we apply those principles in this life. So we work harder. We try to make more money. Why? To have a better life. And it's interesting that We're so consumed with the ideas of prosperity in our physical life that we have forgotten the prosperity that Jesus gives us in the Spirit. 
And we, we will let fear sit in our life. We will let stress and anxiety and pain and sorrow and everything the devil brings. We will let it sit in our heart and we will not look at the one that can free us from it in the way that we should look at him. In other words, it's, a, it's amazing that we have even a Bible that tells us all the mysteries of God, a lot of them. And many people won't even pick it up to read it with fervency that will change the way you think to the core of your heart. What will it take to get us so fervent as a people of God, not because we want to be seen or we want to fix people or we want to fix the world, but because I've seen Jesus and everything he is, he said I could be like him. And that transferring of glory is amazing. Because I want to point out something here. Okay, so that's one idea. Jesus, I need him because I have sinned. But what about you who have been in church for a while? What about you who have loved God and lived for God? What about you? Is it possible to neglect things because you get so comfortable? Anybody? Everybody knows that's true, don't you? It's like, I, I love God. I go to church. I do my best. But could I be more fervent? Yeah, I think everybody would say that, right? I even say that. You know why? Because there's still more. There's still greater. But imagine this. Let's take the Old Testament and imagine why it was so great and powerful for a man like Jesus to show up and be born in the world in a world that already served God because let's take let's take all the way from Enoch to Noah and then Abraham Isaac Jacob and um, right down the line Joseph and then Moses and Joshua and here we go right the list goes on you get down to David and you go all these men they were they were powerful men of God. How many of you, even uh, men and women in the Old Testament, how many of you have read them and thought, my God, these guys are so powerful? They, they, I mean, Moses threw down a rod, his rod, and it turned into a snake. What? And then it's like, that's powerful, man. Moses stood in front of a burning bush with an angel of the Lord. That's powerful. Abraham talked to God and God gave him a promise. Even a son was born a hundred years old. These men are powerful in God. Abraham, Moses, David, yet they all lacked something, didn't they? See, how many of you think of the Old Testament saints as like Christians? They're not. They're not Christians. They were men that knew nothing and God showed up and told them what to do. That's it. It's like, wait, what? Yeah. Who was, what church was there when God showed up to Abraham, Tim? Nothing was there. 
Nobody was there, Tim. Nobody. And God showed up. Bam! And so Abraham started something that was amazing. But yet, right down the line, and then Israel's being born, and the nation begins to rise, and Moses comes. I mean, come on. Moses, God shows up to Moses in that burning bush and tells him to go save Israel. What in the world? There's no church. They're not Christians. These are men that just heard from God. That was it. That's all they had. And you know what? Why am I saying all this? Because New Testament Christians have the Holy Ghost, Gary. They weren't, New Testament Christians don't have to sit around and wait on God to show up. They're connected to God by Jesus Christ, Tim. Who had that in the Old Testament? Who had it? You say, well, the Spirit of Christ worked in them. Sure. Ezekiel saw heavens opened up. Isaiah saw heavens opened up. But check this out. When Old Testament prophets came like Amos, Amos was herding a bunch of sheep, and God showed up and said, I need you to go prophesy for me. What? He went to prophesy, and they told him, Nancy, they said, Amos, get back out of this kingdom and go back to where you came from. This is a prophet of God. They said, we don't want to hear what you got to say. And he said, listen, everybody, my dad's not a prophet. My mom didn't raise me in church. I'm, I'm kind of saying what he said. I'm a nobody. My generations aren't prophets. God just showed up in a field and here I am. And that's it. See, it was, it, we're talking about men that couldn't even read. That God would show up and just say, go do this for me. And what we do is we make these saints as way up here. And sometimes we, it's, it's uh, problematic that we could even put them on a pedestal that we worship them. And yet, all these men, look at their failures. David, the greatest king in Israel, murdered, committed adultery, sinned against God. Are you kidding me? Went against God's will. God's mercy was so great in the Old Testament. These men, they couldn't see past their hand in front of their face. Sometimes God had to come down from heaven and appear to them and talk to them and send them, right? And you got New Testament Christians who have had the appearing of Jesus Christ come to them and live within them. And can't even be fervent. And you've got, you've got Old Testament believers like Hebrews 11. Imagine this, right? How many times have we preached Hebrews 11, Brad? Hebrews 11, are you kidding me? The chapter of faith. The chapter of faith. Look what Abraham did. Look what David did. Look what Sarah did. Look at these men. Look at Abel. Oh my gosh, these are men of faith so great. And we emphasize Hebrews 11 as being the chapter of faith. And you know what? It's not even about faith. Do you know what it's about? It's hidden in three verses. It's hidden in three verses. The whole book of Hebrews is lined out that there's one who is better. As a matter of fact, 
Hebrews 12, verse 1. Listen to this. Listen to what it says here. Hebrews 1, I'm sorry, 12, verse 1. Says this. Wherefore, seeing... Now, this is after the chapter of faith, right? Seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Talking about all these people of faith. You mean the ones that in verse... Go to the last verse. Verse 39 of 11, Dave. Scroll back up because it's a continuation. And it says, these all... Wait, these heroes of faith having obtained a good report through faith, receive not the promise. Wait, what? God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Wherefore, seeing also we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let let us lay aside every weight, the sin which so does easily beset us, And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Do you know what that's saying right there, Tim? Finisher means perfect. The perfecter. The founder of our faith. The perfecter of our faith. You know what he's saying? He's telling us right here that all of those people of faith that you, that you glory in, there's better. There's superior faith. So while you want to pattern your life after, after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses, and Sarah, and all of those, guess what? There's something better. 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 And you know what that means? That means that when Jesus showed up, it blew their mind. There was not anticipating such a a glory. Because we serve God with the law. We serve God with the word of God. We serve God the way Moses did. The way Abraham did. Those are our fathers. Jesus shows up and says, I can up one. When he showed up, he said, guess what? It's been too hard to serve God the way you're doing it. Let me make this easy for you. Now think about this, Marty. Jesus shows up and all you've got to do is believe he's the son of God, sent by God. He'll die for your sins. He'll put a better sacrifice so that you don't have to sacrifice bulls and goats and the blood offerings every year and go into the temple and try to repent of God every year, he said, I'll make this simple. I'll do it one time, and then all you have to do is find repentance in me. Done. Healed, saved, delivered, better. It's like, what? Remember back when they installed electricity? No. Who does? Anybody? (laughs) Yeah, see, we were born after electricity. We take it for granted, don't we? Yeah, we take for granted carrying a bucket down to the stream, dipping out the water and bringing it back into our little one-room cottage where we got six kids and everybody's sleeping in the same room and I don't know how they got them six kids all in one room. 
magician work right there. And see, we're born after electricity. We flip a switch, we go. Way of life. Kids are being raised on phones now. Way of life. Keith, we do remember that, right? Bring home a rotary phone and set it in front of your kid and say, this is the only way you can call your friends now. And see what they say. First, they're going to say, what? How do you use it? What is it? You're saying I could talk to somebody through this. Phone number. Are you kidding me? We have no idea whose phone number is what anymore. See what I'm saying? We were born into an age where Jesus is everywhere. Imagine the day when he wasn't. When you couldn't just flip the light on. Imagine a day when you had to go to the temple and you had to spend all day in sacrifices and pleading with a priest so he could go in and ask God to forgive your sins that you knew you were going to commit again tomorrow. And have to come back here again every day or every year. And all these sacrifices. See, we carry those thoughts into our world today. And we teach people that you're saved by the more chapters you read. I mean, think of it. Don't think that we haven't carried the burden of the Old Testament into where we live. Because we have. But imagine running into Jesus one day. Say, who is this guy? Believe on me, I'll forgive your sins. Wait, hold on. But they said, they said I had to do it on a certain day of the week. And they said I have to do it a certain way. No, no, I'm here right now. But they said you can't heal today. Oh yeah, I'm the Sabbath day. Not this day, I'm the Sabbath day. Well, yeah, but I got to go to the temple to be healed. Hey, let me make this easy. I'm the temple. And I'm going to share that with you. Now I'm going to heal you and make you the temple of God. Let me make this easy. Now imagine that. It's like, I'm almost scared to believe this. And we go, what's the point of Jesus? When Jesus showed up, he was the game changer. Like he changed everything. History of time, Old Testament to new, was like dredging uphill. You know, like we talk about when I was a kid. I walked to school barefooted, uphill, in the snow, carrying a, not a backpack, a sled of books. Remember those stories? And Jesus said, I'll tell you what, you don't have to do any of that anymore. I'm going to make it so you can fly without any weight, without any sin, without any baggage. As a matter of fact, all those books that you have outside of you. I mean, one thing I'm grateful for about these phones is they have a Bible on it that I can stick in my pocket. Remember that? Big old family Bible, carrying it around, lugging it to church every week. Come on, man. Like, 
I was dreaming of this device when I was a kid going, let's make this easier. Kind of. But the Bibles, and then and Jesus says, you know, all those books you have everywhere, let me just take my finger and write it all right in your heart. How about that? And then God won't have to come down in some big fire. Why don't I just let him appear right in your temple? Imagine that, Marty, like Jesus. And here we are 2,000 years after the Bible and we go, Jesus, oh yeah, Jesus. Jesus, yeah, Jesus, I know Jesus. You do. You do. But we're still stressed. We're still fearful. We're still disobedient. We're acting like Adam half the time. And yet the other half, we get to say we know Jesus. How about being introduced to the true Jesus? Not the glorified, talked about, worldly Jesus. Because I, you know, after having dreams, certain dreams that I've had and seen the Lord in certain glories. I'll tell you what, man. I'm amazed at still to this day standing right here. When I see new glories in Jesus, I'm still amazed. And I don't say, I don't dare say, how did I not catch this? That's arrogance. I know why I don't catch certain things. I know why you don't catch certain things. Because lust is still working. Fear is still working. Doubt is still working. You know what we need, don't we? Don't we need the veil removed? See, the, here's the point of preaching. Remove the veil so that you could see Jesus as he is. Because when we do, we're going to realize that even though the Bible says Jesus showed up to them in the earth, 2,000 years ago, he's going to show up to us today and it's going to be a game changer for us. Why? Because now he's already mediated the way. And now he can do it by spirit. So now he doesn't even have to come down to you. Now he can enter your heart and say, I'm just going to work right here and talk to you. Now, isn't that amazing? And we think, well, I, I, I know, I, I know, I know. That's probably the greatest deception in people who have knowledge. I know, I know. Like, for example, how many of you have raised kids? You try to tell your kids up, I know, I know. And when they say it, they say, I know. Stop treating me so stupid like a kid. I know. Until they don't know when it happens to them. And why? Because we all go through that journey of learning. Well, guess what? How many times have you said about the things of God, I know? I know, I know, I know. Maybe you don't know. And I'll tell you how you know that you don't know. Is when he shows up. And shows you that you don't know. 
And then at that point is where I really walk softly. Because I don't say I know now. I say, thank you. Help me know the part I still don't know. Because there's still, it's like the, the ways of God are past finding out. And we go, I, I, no, 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 I, I got this. I got this. <laughs> Until you are the overcomer of heaven and earth, don't ever think you know. Always humble yourself before the Lord and say, I am learning and I'm knowing more all the time. Thank you, Lord. Keep talking to me. And as long as you can keep talking to me, I'm going to remain as humble as I can. Isn't that the way it should be? And listen, what I want to do here this morning is put a fire under you to say, has Jesus been to me like he was to them when he showed up? Because he caused all kind of anger and frustration to those that hated him and wanted. Isn't it amazing? Like, you know, I'm up there sitting and, and I'm thinking about all this new technology coming out. And I'm going, don't, don't even introduce me to it. I don't even want to know it. Because what will it do to me? I don't know yet. Maybe it'll be the best thing in the world. But here's what I don't want it to do. I don't want it to take away what's written in the heart that God himself wrote there. I don't want to let anything replace that because this journey's been too long. We've learned too much in God. We've overcome too much of the flesh to get to where we are, to let anything come in and take that away. And now I'm fighting for it. Every last bit of it. I'm not losing an inch of ground that God has given us. So we fight for it. So we will be fervent. We will stand in the gap and work the Spirit. And we will say that Jesus has done so much better. But I'm not going to drudge through the mud of the law and think that reading my Bible is what saves me. I'm not going to think that coming to church is what saves me. I'm not going to think that giving my offerings to the church is what saves me. I'm not even going to think pastoring this church saves me. By no means, none of that does. I do that because of what saves me. And so the revelation of Jesus, I'm saying to you, that moment that Peter went, oh, I just denied the one that I didn't know actually who he was. And I just saw it. And Peter says, but let me cry this out first. Now that I've dealt with that, now I'm going to follow him. Because I, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I thought I saw you who you were, but I didn't. Now I do. I'm, I'm going to serve you and I'm going to learn more as I go. But have that moment where you say, I, I thought I knew Jesus. I thought I was doing it good. But then he came to me and he showed me something and I experienced something greater. Wow, I, that's better. Now my life is better. And okay, so if you have to come one, overcome one sin at a time, okay, fine, that's better than it was. I overcome one thought of fear at a time, that's better than what it was. And the whole book of Hebrews, Tim, you know what it's about? 
what's better. See, Hebrews is probably my favorite book in the Bible. It has to be. I love it beyond life. I mean, Hebrews is the book that when I read that book, it is a book of the superiority of Jesus Christ. In the old, they, God spoke to the prophets. In the new, it's through the Son. In the old, the angels visited you. In the new, it's the Son. Oh my gosh. The promise in the old was one. The promise in the new is better. I mean, all the betters. There's like ten betters. Better words, better blood, better sacrifice, better promise, right? All of it. Better covenant, better hope, better... Everything's better. Better images, better house of God. Moses was just a servant, it says. Jesus was the son who built the house. Moses was a servant who lived in the house. Now, which one's better? The one that built it's better. See, Jesus came as everything better. And you know what? Do not spin this, man. This ain't one of them commercials on TV. You want better? The easy button? You want easy? See, I get it. But God invented that. And he didn't just make it a little jingle. He made it, I'm going to save you from death and hell. But not only that, I'm going to save you from a, to a better way of living for me. Those two things he did, it's, it's, it's awesome. And so is Jesus better? Yeah. So you have opportunity. Now remember what I say here as I end this. I read to you at the end of Romans 11... It said, matter of fact, go back to that. I want everybody to see it again. The verse 39, I didn't say Romans, I said Hebrews. <laughs> I, I know what I said. <laughs> I'm in Romans in my mind too a lot. So Paul had a lot of similar stuff in, in a lot of ways. But in 39, these all, the, those of faith, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Man, they didn't have Christ. They didn't have the accessibility that we have. Here's my question. Oh, think with me now. Does that make you better? Now, wait. I know you, there's a little conflict in the mind right now. What I mean by that is read the next verse, verse 40. God having provided some better thing for us. That they without us should not be made perfect. What makes them perfect? Because of us. You know what's in us? The better. See, you have it better than they did. Why? Because you have the better promise. You have the better covenant. They lived a life without Christ. They had God. He helped them. He did not fail them. But now Jesus shows up and says, I'll make it all better. So I'm going to, I'm going to live in you. So are they now joining us in the better? But don't think for a second. They're like, I want to be like Abraham. Mm. I mean, I love what Abraham did and I want to participate in Abraham's consciousness, but I like Jesus better. Moses, Moses, he's our man. 
I like Jesus better. Is he better? See, I didn't, there's so much. I feel like I left gaps all over the place of things to explain. But I did it, I did it good enough, didn't I? And you may do better. But as long as we got Jesus, Jesus, every, every covenant, every promise, every blood, even Abel, remember his blood cried out, it talked, it said. Keith, it spoke his blood. Jesus had a better blood that spoke better promises. Oh, better all around. You could go read it. You, you read the book of, book of Hebrews. But I'm not even talking. I visit Hebrews when God visits me. And then I go, whoo, the, the writer was saying it right here. God still thinks the same way. So if you want better, it's here. Don't take for granted Jesus Christ. Don't think you already know him. Don't think we already have him. We do, but we don't, do we? We do, but there's more. That's what I'm saying. Get the better. Get the more. And you watch what happens to your life. You watch it. Are you inspired? Are you encouraged? Well, stand up and let's, let's pray before we go out of here because the Lord's doing something great. And, and you know what inspires me here is, you know, when I have these visitations, I realize, I realize, man, I, that there's, there's just so much more. There's so much more. And the realization, I think sometimes, Marty, from the early days of 25 years ago when the Lord appeared to me in a dream for the first time and set me on a path of, of the revelation of Jesus, I realized 25 years later, he still, I like to use the term blowing my mind. You know, we should be sober in this. But he still amazes me in the revelation that he still brings. No wonder after all eternity, Marty, they can be around the throne saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And they never get weary of it because God's still revealing himself to them all the time. So today, I want you to be excited about the Lord. And all your works of the flesh will keep, keep doing the works that you do in the flesh. Just don't do them in the power of the flesh. Do them in the power of Christ. Does that sound good? That's a deal. So let's pray. You can join hands or, or whatever you'd like. Lord, I thank you for your word today. It's been great. The word to us is you are better. Your covenants are better. Your grace is better. Your power is better. Everything to get us into the eternity, the kingdom of God. Lord, continue to reveal yourself to us. Because you have been faithful. There's none other more faithful than you. And you've been faithful to us. And I thank you for that, Lord. Bless your people today. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.